This is HeartWise, offering practical tips and time-proven guidelines to make your life healthier, happier, and more fulfilling. Today you'll learn simple, Bible-based principles for building and maintaining optimum mental and physical health, all while deepening your relationship with your Creator. I'm your HeartWise host, Charles Mills. Who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? What's the meaning of life? If you're an adult male over the age of, say, 35 or 40, you may have asked yourself those very questions. Why? Let's ask the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries, counselor and author Stephen Arterburn, that question. His new book, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife, just might help you through the coming crisis. Stephen, welcome to HeartWise. Well, thanks for having me. Well, now, the title of the book immediately asks the question of six ways for men to thrive in midlife. Do women not go through a midlife crisis? Oh, I think so. I think theirs often is triggered by uh, perimenopause or menopause. Uh, we don't have an official <laughs> rite of passage like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think women go through various types of transitions and for us men, it, it's pretty definable, whereas a woman, I know of several women that have come to us for help, and when you get down to it, maybe their first kind of crisis is, wow, I'm, I'm not quite as attractive <laughs> as I was. The physical appearance is different, whereas us men, you know, it's more of a, I don't know, it's, you think it would be more superficial for us, but really, it is a, a deeper maybe even you could say spiritual kind of thing and emotional thing where I'm I'm kind of saying, whoa, hey, this hasn't played out exactly the way I thought. This isn't the dream I had in the beginning. And I like to get men to, to start to kind of think about, okay, so what was that original dream? That, mm-hmm. That's kind of the first thing that that's helpful to do is get there and think about it. What is it that was the plan? And then, you know, once you kind of think of what the dream is, you can start to ask yourself, well, was that realistic Hmm. or not realistic? Hmm. You know, was it appropriate? You know, was I raised by a Pinocchio parent who said you could be anything you want to be? That was stupid. They did that to you. (laughs) And and so, you know, was it realistic or not? And then... Whatever it was, let's look at some stuff that may have gotten in the way of you experiencing it or realizing that dream. Some things that we might be able to do something about. Well, now, let's, let's not move on for just a moment here. Let's stay with this parent saying, you know, you can be anything you want to be. What should they have said instead? I mean, what, what really should a parent say to a child who is looking out at life and saying, I want to be this and that and this and that? What's a parent supposed to do? Well, I think that's what I do. With my kids, I say, hey, look, you know, these thoughts about, in fact, I was just talking about it the other day, these thoughts about just have a dream and dream it and it'll come true, mm-hmm. that's like in a Disney song, <laughs> but not everybody can do everything they want to do. Okay. What you want to do is you want to figure out what are the things that I enjoy doing, what are the things that I kind of gifted in. Mm. And then uh, let's make some realistic plans for us to do something 
in that area. I have attention deficit disorder. Uh-huh. I have a, some would say it's a terminal case, <laughs> attention <laughs> okay. deficit disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I had said, you know, I would love to be an accountant and just go to work every day. Well, I could have done that for, you know, maybe five days before they let me go. <laughs> oh, but, but I didn't do that. And I, and I had to do things that worked for, you know, a weird and strange wiring of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage my kids. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to think about. And so any man that was brought up in that, uh, that kind of toxic thinking with some unrealistic expectations, first of all, unless he wants to be miserable, he's going to have to adjust mm-hmm. his expectations mm-hmm. and be realistic. Here's the deal. A lot of guys think I'm a total failure when in reality they're totally normal. They've done many things that other people could never do. And rather than being able to experience hope and and uh, meaning and all, they're sitting around, they're miserable because they didn't do what they wanted to do, which was the impossibility, the unrealistic expectation. So we got to be realistic. So it sounds like you say that they are fantasizing someplace, not about the future and what they want to accomplish. They're fantasizing about what their abilities are, what they really can accomplish being themselves. Am I on the right track? Right. You know, I have a child who we tested her early on, and she has no ability for abstract thinking. So it's not really a learning disability. You'd have to call it like a learning difficulty. Yes. But on the executive scale of thinking, you know, where you memorize presentations, things like that, she's off the charts. So one of the great things about uh, having her tested was uh, they said, you know, you're not ever going to be able to do math Mm -hmm. very well. It'll be hard for you. But other things, you shouldn't have any kind of problem. Well, she wanted to get into graduate school for occupational therapy. She needed a C in chemistry. The math, it took her three years to get a C in chemistry so she could get into the the, uh, graduate program. But then she did it, and she's going to graduate in August. But see, she was realistic about her limitations. A lot of men, I mean, if they don't have parents to help them, be realistic in their expectations. They're setting themselves up for failure. So one of the things is to look back and say, wow, you know, my parents, they didn't do a very good job in that area. They kind of set me up here. So if I can adjust my thinking a little bit here, I'm not going to be miserable for the rest of my life because I didn't turn out to be president of the United States when I couldn't even pass one political science class or something like that. It's about resetting the expectation is part of being able to enjoy your life no matter what it's turned out to be. Oh, very good. Words of advice here from Stephen Arterburn. He is the author of a new book I have here on my desk, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife. He says women have sort of that, but men seem to have it at a deeper level, and now we know why. We may have some unrealistic expectations from our parents that we may have to overcome. Now you've told us how to prevent it from happening. Let's say that we find ourselves in it. How do we know? And you mentioned some caution signs in your book. How do we know, Stephen Arterburn, that we are actually in crisis during midlife? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is that you have a lot of people around you, uh-huh. and they're saying to you, I'm miserable. 
And all of those people, the only thing they have in common is you. So, <laughs> so that would that would be an indication. I was just joking the other day. If you you swerve to miss a huge tree in the middle of the road, and then you realize it's the pine scented air freshener dangling from your rearview mirror, maybe maybe you need to get some help. Yeah, but you know, first of all, you're angry. Mm. Four men. I mean, that's the number one sign. I need to do something. Now, a lot of times, you're depressed. Mm-hmm. Of course, sadness, that, that feels weak. Yeah. And so we just jump right into anger rather than experience the sadness. Mm-hmm. And people around us are the ones that bear the brunt of that anger. Mm-hmm. And so if you're angry, if it's easy for you to get irritated, lose your temper, things like that, and that's a, that's a great sign. I'd, I'd say that's the number one sign mm. that you're in the midst of a midlife crisis. And I would say this, especially if characteristically you're not that way. Mm. You know, over over your history, people wouldn't just naturally say, "Man, that is one angry, miserable human being." But now it's obvious to folks you got a problem. Yeah. So yeah. I would say anger is the first thing, and then. Perhaps the the second thing is you look around and there are no healthy relationships. Mm. You don't really have any men in your life that you enjoy spending time with unless, you know, maybe it's like drinking or something like that that you enjoy doing with men. So there's no real quality men, friends and connection. And then, you know, your wife is really struggling just to have a relationship with you and your children also alienated from you or it's just, you know, one tumultuous or volatile or disconnected relationship after another. Those are pretty uh, major signs that people can have. There are others, but those, I think, are the, the big ones. All right. Very good. Yeah, you mentioned here being irritable, being a partier, being foolish with finances, obsessed with sex, and being in an affair. What has sex got to do with it? I mean, I sort of know what it has to do with it, but why is it sort of a, an outlet? Why is it so important to people in midlife crisis to have sex with people, especially those that don't belong to them? Well, if you've seen any statistics on men, you know the number one problem the guys struggle with who are trying to or want to or originally wanted to have a a decent marriage and wanted to be faithful Mm -hmm. to their wife is pornography. I mean, Mm -hmm. and so that is probably of all the things is the easiest to hide and the quickest to use to change your mood. So you've got a lot of men with a lot of pornography problems, but in midlife you're questioning everything your virility, your manhood, you question, am I more than a paycheck? And can I live with my limitations? And and you think that sex with someone else or using pornography kind of either gives you some kind of relief from all of that angst, or you're trying to answer the question when it's a, a person in an affair. Mm-hmm. And so it's an easy one to fall into. You know, alcoholism takes a while for you to develop that. But you can be a sex addict pretty quick, get pretty dependent very quickly, given the different types of uh, pornography that's online today. All right. We now know the caution signs. We now know how it can begin and how to prevent it. 
Now let's talk about how to get out of it if we are in midlife crisis. We'll take a short break, and when we come back more with Stephen Arterburn, his book, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife. This is good stuff, so everybody stay right where you are. I'm Dr. James Markham with your Biblical Prescription for Life. A patient recently asked me about natural ways to help his heart. Well, I referred him to Daniel 1 verses 12, where it says, Please test your servants for 10 days and let us give them vegetables to eat and water to drink. Well, vegetables in that setting was that which is sown. The word is called zeroim. Well, you know the rest of the story. These fellows were 10 times smarter than the king's men. Esselstyn in the Journal of American Family Practice in 2015 did a study that showed that people that eat greens and plant-based nutritions have healthier hearts, less cardiovascular events. So our biblical prescription for life today is Zeroim, Z-E-R-O-I-M, eat that which is sown. For more information, visit our website, that's heartwiseministries.org. Have you ever wondered about your place on this earth, why you were put here, and what you can do to make a difference? Well, I've got good news. You can become a healer. I'm Nick Evanson, Production Manager at HeartWise Ministries, inviting you to help spread the news that optimum health is possible. Your family, friends, and coworkers don't have to be as sick as they are. There's information available to help them stop chronic disease in its tracks. Diabetes, heart disease, obesity, hypertension, They've all met their match. Your support of this ministry allows thousands to learn how to defeat these destructive enemies. Working in partnership with HeartWise Ministries also brings changes into your life, and believe me, people will notice. Your example becomes a healing light in a very dark and sick world. Take a moment and visit our website at heartwiseministries.org and add your support. Become a leader and share the gift that truly keeps on giving. Thank you. back to the program. I'm your host, Charles Mills. Our guest today, Stephen Arterburn. He is an author of the book, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife. He's also the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries. He's a counselor, and he's a man that wants those of us who happen to be swimming around in all this, I guess I would say self-pity. Wouldn't you say that that midlife crisis has a lot to do with us feeling sorry for ourselves? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Or doing stuff to prevent us from feeling okay. sorry for ourselves, right. feeling right. anything but, you know, anger and feeling great and all that. Now, you're saying that you have these six ways. I'm going to give you six person types, and you can tell me how that person, give me a minute or so on each one, how that person type can survive midlife. The first one is macho man. Those of us who think we're just God's gift to women, what do we do for us? Well, you could also call that superficial man, (laughs) (laughs) there's more than just your your physical strength. And so often uh, we would associate macho man with the narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. 
And every one of those guys, and I'm trying to think of somebody that's in the media a lot that's a narcissist, but it's just slipping me. But anyway, <laughs> um, a narcissist, of course, has a, a really severe father wound or some other mm-hmm. kind of wound that they're compensating for. Uh-huh. But the macho man, the best thing he can do is say, okay, maybe maybe I need to try to develop a little insight inside versus all outside, external, what I do, what I can be, stuff I can accomplish. Life's more than that. Let's get deeper. Let's go inside. Let's try to develop some insight. All right. Very good. And how about if uh, a person is a son? How does a son thrive through midlife? Well, a lot of sons need to work out a lot of issues with father. And so if you're still struggling to accept your dad's limitations and you're around 68 years old or so, maybe it's time to start to take a second look at that and say, you know what? I'm never going to change this guy. And uh, it's me that's hurting over. He could care less. Or maybe he's been dead for a long time. So you eventually, if you're going to thrive in midlife, you have to deal with the father wound. You have to grieve the loss of the dad that you never had or the dad that, you know, everybody's entitled to a great father. You didn't get that. So let's grieve that. Let's work through forgiving him, seeing that he was probably as mistreated as you were or more. That's that's how he learned to be so cruel to you. Yeah. Let's forgive it. And then let's move toward accepting him, not as all bad, but as pretty bad or really bad. But try to view him more in the area of like, ill or sick, mm-hmm. then make that judgment of, of badness. That would be helpful if you could get to that point. Very good. As a husband, you know, when I first read this book, I thought six ways for men to thrive in midlife. You need to write a new one, six ways for women to thrive when their husband's having midlife. How do we, how do we as husbands learn to thrive during midlife? Yeah, you know, for us to act like this is all a man's problem or that no guy is married to an unhealthy woman. That'd be silly. And so you want to be able to express yourself and tell your wife that you're struggling. And many times you're trying to keep her from knowing that you're experiencing a a new weakness here or you've got some limitations, you're having a hard time dealing with them, accepting them. But, you know, maybe what she really wants is just you. And maybe she would do so much better if you just tell her what you're going through and and have her enter into it. But, you know, some guys are married to some not-so-healthy women. And no matter what you do, it's not going to go well for you. I would just say, as a husband, the number one thing is to be honest. Honest with yourself. Honest with her. And then secondly, respect. Respect yourself, but be respectful of who she is. And, you know, if she's a problem, there's a reason for that. And trying to help her with that problem versus attacking her, that's such a better strategy uh, if you want to have a great relationship, even with somebody that's, you know, really got some things going on.
Stephen Arterburn is our guest today. We're talking about his book, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife. And you're saying that we can thrive as a provider. Explain that one for us. Well, you know, there is something so admirable about a man that gets up and, and is committed to providing the best that he can for his family. But along the way, some things happen. It doesn't always work out that way. Things beyond your control. And so you want to be a great provider, but you also, if it hasn't worked out exactly the way you thought, you want to be realistic. And that may not have anything to do with you. You know, there are guys that do stupid, irresponsible things and spend money foolishly and all that. There are other guys, they're not that way, but they don't have any money because... You know, they really thought they were making a good investment or a good decision with, with their time, but it didn't pan out. you got to forgive yourself and then try to do the best that you can to provide in these later years here. might mean you're not going to retire. Well, the statistics show people retire and they die. Yes, so, yes. so just <laughs> don't do it and be thankful that, yeah, you're going to be able to keep working and continue to provide the best that you can, even though... It didn't work out the way that you thought it would. Mm, and in the last three minutes we have here, let's combine these last two. Thriving as a father and a man of God. I can see why those two would be combined into one, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, you know, you, you can't be a great father and uh, and be an, an unspiritual yes, person true. or not have integrity. Great true. dads have integrity. They know who God is, and they're living honorable lives, lives that honor God. And So if you're an, a godly man, you're going to want to be uh, godly in front of your kids. You're going to want to love their mom the way she deserves to be loved. It all works together. Mm -hmm. And so if you're really struggling, I think the first place to kind of look at as doing a little transition or some transformation work is in the spiritual area of your life. What is your relationship like with God? Are you acting like there isn't one? And uh, Hmm. is there a lot of really smart people that think that God exists, and you ought to pay attention to what he has to say for you. And that could be a big part of your misery is that you're trying to ignore a reality that's there. But integrity, whether it's being a great father or man of God, that's the word. Do you have integrity in all areas of your life? And if you don't, get some help. And there are a lot of different ways to get help. We do a workshop called Every Man's Battle, and we're addressing that number one problem that we see with guys, and that's the pornography, sexual addiction, obsession with sex, all of that. Uh, Get help if that's the area of your life that you're struggling with, because a lot of men have changed their life because they decided to do something about that. Wow. Wow. Such words of wisdom. Where can people learn a little bit more about you, Stephen Arterburn, and your ministry? Newlife.com or call one 800 New Life. It'll both take you to the same place. Newlife.com, 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Stephen Arterburn, I want to thank you so much. His book, Six Ways for Men to Thrive in Midlife. And you can learn more about that at the website and the phone number mentioned there. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us today. You have encouraged us with your words of wisdom and guidance. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Yes, indeed. And until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Stephen Arterburn inviting you to remain Hurtwise. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Heartwise. 
If you'd like more information on how to build and maintain optimum physical, mental, and spiritual health, log on to heartwiseministries.org. HeartWise is a listener-supported program, and your partnership with us would be greatly appreciated. Once again, our web address is heartwiseministries.org. Ministries.org.